Here we are again at another special episode of the Barden Bible. This is outside of the normal canon, so this is not the innkeeper. This is actual Mike Perna, not your resident dwarf bard. Uh, and we're going to be doing another episode where we're working with our friends over at Mythos and Inc. to celebrate and kind of promote uh, what they're doing at the uh, the newest devotional collection they put out called Thy Geekdom Come. Uh, this is volume two. And when they said, hey, you want to work with us and, and do a promotion? I said, yes, but can I do something a little weird? And it's only weird, you know, it, it's not really weird because it's me. But I just wanted to do something not in their their promotional packet, which is I wanted to get all the people I know who made contributions and said, let's talk to them about the process, because that is so much about what the Barden Bible is. We take stories and connect them to scripture, but not in a cheesy like it's vaguely the same thing. So let's make let's let's I, I just I just did an interview the other day. Uh, James, you'll appreciate this. I did an interview the other day. He's like, what's something that, that you, you you don't want to see happen in nerd ministry? And I said, I don't like it when people just cite nerd stuff, not thinking through the nerd stuff. And oddly mm -hmm. enough, we can tie this together because it's Star Wars. I said, I said, you do realize that every time you talk about, you know, the Jedi is something that should be a, an aspiration to the Christian faith. I always want to go. Only the Siths uh, believe deal, in, in deal in absolutes. And I'm like, yes. So. So what you're saying is that you're either going to deny absolute truth or you're going to say you're a Sith and how awkward that makes people. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we're actually tying these stories together and really thinking through with people who care about this stuff. And that said, you, you heard him there agree with me. I'm going to introduce James Felix from our friends over at the Geek at Arms podcast. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic today, sir. How about yourself? I'm tired, but good. Mm -hmm. Which is basically the the running statement of you know quarantine times. So yeah, but you know I feel like that while while we're not at the finish line for that yet, we can definitely see it from here. It it's on the horizon. I, I've, yes. I've gotten my gotten my jabs. I, I've I've spoken with uh you know our our master Bill Gates. Um, I now have five G <laughs> and forks you know stick onto my forehead. Um, all the different <laughs> memes that have come out of that. So yes, we are coming to the end of it. And I'm, I'll be super happy when that happens because I want to get people to play games at a table. So and much. Yes. Yes. Um, that said, uh, like I said, in the off chance that somebody who listens to me doesn't know who you are, what Geek at Arms is about, all the incredibly nerdy, wonderful things that you guys are about. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. I want you to go Geek at Arms first, but then mm -hmm. I do want you, because if nothing else, people need to hear more about the SCA. Okay, cool. Which I know you are a part of, but first let's let's get the Geek at Arms. Let's get your your, your stuff together. All right. I want the, more, more SCA stuff. All right. I am uh, one of the three hosts of the podcast Geek at Arms. Uh, our slogan is, you know, we are camped squarely at the crossroads of geek culture and Christian faith. And it's a podcast that I started along with my good friends, Mike and Brian. Uh, Brian, I've been for, gosh, since I was 18 years old. Uh, he's been a lifelong friend, one of my best friends. Um, I uh, thought of this podcast. I mean, I can remember he and I a long time ago sitting on a couch watching old VHS copies of Babylon 5. Yes. And, you know, you know and dis discussing that, discussing uh, the newest uh, Wheel of Time book. 
mm-hmm. you know, back back when we were still waiting on those. And that's that's the level and the history of our geekery together. And Mike, uh, believe it or not, I met him uh, in a in a group called the Black Hearts Fencing Club, a group in Kansas that likes to, you know, sword fight and he and I crossed blades a couple of times, didn't know anything, anything about each other. And then we discovered through conversation that we uh, were both men of faith, that we both had a deep love of board games, collectible games, card games, role-playing games, video games, all the games. We, we loved all the games. And uh, that led to some fantastic uh, Star Wars and Western D20 RPG sessions at his place. And uh, a friendship that's continued, even though life has taken us to different sides of the country. Well, that's so that's got- something that's something that, that if you even if you've never seen if you've uh, seen if you've never heard the Geek at Arms podcast before, that's something that comes out very fast. And it's literally one of the first things you guys say in your intro is that you guys are you share something that like with me and Daniel and Jeff, when we do Game Store Profits, y'all are all over the country. Yeah. Uh Brian's job uh, took him to California. Uh, he works at digital effects in Hollywood. Mike is and his wife are pastors of a church in the Massachusetts uh, area. And I'm, I'm in Texas. And so I, I hate that these guys who are some of my best friends are just so far apart because I love doing the podcast with them. What I wish is that we were doing the podcast and then sitting at a table together, right. you know, doing, doing a campaign, but, you know, life takes you and God takes you where he will. And so I'm just thankful that I can do the podcast with them. Yeah, uh, I, I know that pain. Like people are still just aghast when I realize that or when I share with them that uh, Jeff Romo and I have been a part of this ministry. Like he, he Jeff is the only founding member that is still around. And Jeff and I have never occupied the same room together. Oh, wow. <laughs> like he lives in California and, and you know, I live, I live in Pennsylvania now, but it's still East coast. Like we are opposite ends of the country. Me, me and the guys have been talking one of these days, once COVID is a, is a memory. Well, not uh, something there will, there will always be probably some remnant around for years to come, but the day comes that we can actually travel around. We can move around. We can be together in groups without worry or fear. Some convention, something somewhere, we have to all set the date and we have to get together and and just finally meet each other face to face. I have I have been pitching uh, to uh, at least to Ashley because she was the previous interview. So we got talking before and after uh, we did the recording and I was I've been pitching origins because because it's, okay. it's kind of smack in the middle of the country. Where is where's that at? Uh, Columbus, Ohio. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> so I'm not doing this year, but maybe maybe next year we can plan on doing doing a meet a, a grand grand duchy of geekdom. Duchy of ge- that's the name. That's the name. <laughs> if anybody if anybody would appreciate just a random fiefdom name uh, mm-hmm. applied to a, the modern American context, <laughs> it would be somebody from the SCA. Yes, it would. The, 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 the duchy of, 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 of Christian geekery uh, town hall meeting. And yeah, 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Origins 2022. There we go. We'll make it work. <laughs> See, now it's recorded. Now, now people are going to expect it, and I really hope I can actually do it. <laughs> As we like to say on Geek Anonymous, well, it's it's on the internet now, so it has to be true. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm I'm super thankful that my wife doesn't listen to this. So uh, when I look at her and go, but I have to, she's going <laughs> to She's be like, you're not allowed to have that James back on the podcast. That, he gets you into too he, many things. He's a bad influence. Bad influence. Um, <laughs> well, she did. She did giggle. I can't remember which one of you guys officially gave me the title of, of Archduke of, of uh, Internet Geek Ministry. That would be Mike. Definitely Mike, Mike. Mike was the one who who named me. I can't I can't remember. It was a while ago that it happened. We're having a T-shirt and stationery made. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, that that's something that can be talked about in the town hall meeting. Is is how I'm I'm the Archduke, and who did we decide were the king and queen? Like like we had we had yeah. the royal house being put together. <laughs> we have a whole court figured out by then. Oh yeah, but uh, anyway, so we're joking about this. I do like I said. Geek at Arms is awesome. You guys cover a swath of stuff, and it is still fun just to hear about all the different things that you guys do, because you you do. You're not focused on one aspect of geekery. You're like, this is the nerdy thing I'm into. Let's talk about this one today. Like, like here's oh, We this are all over the place. I, I, I sometimes feel when it comes to our... We, we have a lot of things that overlap. Right. Like, uh, like uh, Brian and I, we share a lot of... Uh, of um, uh, like Brian and I, are huge Magic the Gathering fans. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Mike, we share the love of like uh, medieval fencing and uh, swords and things like that. And Mike and Brian share a lot of uh, computer related stuff. But there's also a lot of things that were very much like Doug from the cartoon up when it comes to Geeker. Where, oh, squirrel. I like this thing. And I, squirrel, other thing, magic, RPGs, yeah, Middle Earth. We're all over the place. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And it's also fun when I'm listening to Geek at Arms and you guys just start busting out like actual like fencing, the people who like created the moves. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I suddenly every name from like the, the scene from The Princess Bride. Yeah. I'm like, these, oh, they were actual names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every single person that he talks about, that Indigo talks about, uh, you were using Bonetti's defense against me. You must expect me, expect me to attack with Capofero. Uh, Capofero, an uh, Italian sword master. Um, I found that Tybalt cancels out Capofero, uh, unless your opponent has studied his Agrippa, which I have. <laughs> Those are all uh, period fencing masters. They all have pu- they all published works, had schools, which we have surviving copies of today, which is why we know so much about these guys. And uh, yeah, so so do you want me to just, like for the people who don't know or maybe have only heard about it a little bit? Yeah, I will. I will say that if what the SCA is, if there's any group of nerddom which is doing awesome things, like not only awesome as in that's really cool, but awesome also in these just scale of it, um, mm-hmm. that that everybody kind of thinks about, but no one knows much detail about. It's the SCA. <laughs> so the SCA stands for the Society of Creative Anachronisms. And if that sounds like a mouthful, that's because it is. And it's a group that began back in the, oh, blimey, the 70s, I think, the early 70s. I think we are, we've, yeah, we've hit the 50-year anniversary of the SCA. It's a reenactment community that started out in California. And uh, basically, we look at medieval times. Roughly, the the time period we roughly look at is between the um, 11th century and the 16th century. That's kind of like primarily where our wheelhouse is. But if you're in before or after it a little bit, that's okay. 
And we, we don't just like pretend, we recreate. Um, we study sword fighting, we study combat, um, the arts and crafts of the day, the science of the day. We recreate those things. We put on garb, uh, you know, city, silly medieval clothing. We go to events. The entire United States and other countries of the world are split up into kingdoms. And uh, there's a crown, there, uh, king and queen. There, there's so much to it. Um, I mean, I could I could spend the next hour just talking right. about it. Uh, for more information, go to sca.org. Uh, that will get tell you all the basics of it. Um, for myself, I've been involved with it for a number of years, and uh, for part of like the whole um, the game of it is that you create yourself a persona, and kind of like kind of like an RPG character. And my persona is I am an Englishman. Uh, of Anglo-Saxon descent around the 12th, late 12th, early 13th century uh, by the name of Ulrich Godwinson. Uh, there was a gentleman in the SCA who was a great influence to me, a mentor, and his name was Godwin. Nice. And so when I created my persona, I, you know, in the Anglo-Saxon heritage, I became Godwin's son. Yeah, and... actual naming conventions. Here we go. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. L like, like, like in history. And... Uh, I've created myself a coat of arms. Uh, I have a backstory for my character, and I do a lot. Um, uh, one of the primary things I do is I've talked about on I've talked a lot about on Geek at Arms is rapier combat, and uh, I've studied uh, not not as much as I, I probably should have, but I've studied uh, Capafero. I've studied uh, uh, I've studied Fabris, um, uh, Degrassi, Tybalt. Uh, uh, George Silver and others, and I go out there with a rapier, and I put on safety gear, a mask, and all that good stuff, and I do my best to stab someone else, and sometimes get stabbed myself, and it is it is a lot of fun. And as I was telling you before the show, uh, because of COVID, all in person meetings for the SCA uh, society wide had been postponed, uh, and rightly so. Right. Uh, it was during a time when we needed to keep our distance from each other. But last week, for the first time in a year and a half, they finally reopened fighter practices. And I've been to one. And I hurt. <laughs> I, I am so sore. The problem is in my excitement. Um, my 42-year-old body was trying to fight like a 25-year-old me. Right. And... While I still rem I still have some of the muscle memory left, and I remember the moves, and I instinctually want to do them, I can't keep up like that anymore, and I just end up hurting myself. Yeah, because because another thing for the SCA is that like, like maybe you've gone out and you've done LARPing, and you have like like even the the more aggressive like buffer LARP, like that mm -hmm. actually does like moves and stuff. This is even a step more hardcore than that. <laughs> Well, we've got a few different types of fighting. Uh, I, I do the rapier fighting, which is where we actually use actual steel rapiers. And uh, uh, we use daggers, rapiers, bucklers, cloaks, uh, canes, all sorts of fun toys. Um, the other major combat that has been in round since the beginning is uh, called chivalric combat. And the difference between that and LARP, uh, like the, the boffer LARP, whether it's like Amp Guard or Nero or some of the others, is that instead of uh, foam weapons or like, you know, a pool noodle put over PVC, they're using weapons made out of rattan, mm -hmm. which is a type of bamboo. And their armor consists of a, you know, 
12 gauge steel helm mm-hmm. covers everything uh gorget uh, uh, ar- uh armor steel at the knees and the elbows the forearms the legs uh something to protect the midsection uh, the kidneys and and much more fully fully armed and armored because we're not we're not in that we're not giving each other a love tap now i'm not trying to like you know baseball bat the other guy either but i'm looking to land a solid blow the 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 assumption is that we're two medieval opponents facing each other with chainmail shirt and an open-faced helm and i've got a live sword in my hand that's the 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 the, the belief uh that that's kind of the basis of it or that started it all is that we're even though our armor is different and we're wearing a lot of leather and steel and stuff uh we're going into the assumption that we're both are wearing the same stuff and i want to land a blow solid solid on you enough that it's going to go through that armor and deliver a killing blow which is why we wear all the protection all the protection that was just listed Be- <laughs> because we want to deliver that good blow it's all in the honor system you hit someone they've received a solid blow they say good but we're also not trying to hurt the other person because at the end of the day we're all friends right we're all friends and and the combat's a big part of it but it's only a part of the sca like i said before uh in the arts and sciences there is so much fun stuff going on uh my two areas that i love the most are uh, actually i should say three areas three three areas that i love the most no four 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 I mean, <laughs> um <coughs> obligatory uh, monty python here we are yes um i love uh, i love uh i love the heraldic arts i love researching heraldry uh coats of arms and more i love voice heraldry you know if you want an example think the character of chaucer from a knight's tale i was about to say he i i still say that at one point i want somebody to introduce me to something as what is it uh, the protector of Italian virginity and the enforcer of our sure, Lord God. Our Lord God. <laughs> well, guess what's happening at, at Origins 2020? There we now. go. I'm going to walk into a room and somebody's going to be there with a megaphone. I'm going to be up there with a, with resplendent in, in tabard and uh, with a big D20 on the front and holding a See, megaphone. the more you talk, the more I want this to literally be what goes down. <laughs> I, will, I will talk to somebody. I know people who know people. We can get a room. We're going to make this happen. <laughs> absolutely um so uh yeah love love being a herald uh being loud is 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 always fun <laughs> and uh well the gentleman who who taught who taught me how to be a voice herald he said all right now he was a he was a he was a huge man he was like six foot two 300 pounds barrel chested and uh, a voice like like a tuba mm. and he said uh you're going to help me like you know uh, you know, herald the crowd and to make announcements. Let the let the the people who come to the event know what's happening. If I call your name from the other side of the event site, I want to be able to hear your response. Right. And of course, I'm like yes, sir. He's like, what was that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> um. So that's really enjoyable. Um, I love also uh woodworking. Mm. Um, over the past several years, I've uh um. I, I'm not I'm not a some people said, oh, you're a carpenter. No, no, I'm not. I am a hobbyist. Right. At most. Uh, I've been doing more and more about use about trying to make things with just hand tools. Uh, you know, like they would have done. Right. And uh, it's with chisels, hand saws, planers and more. And I find it very enjoyable. It's agonizingly slow. Oh, yeah. And especially if you're doing it with hand tools. 
Yes. And also because I'm doing it with hand tools, you think like, oh, hand tools aren't that expensive or are, are, can be pretty cheap. No, they can't. No. no. I mean, no, they're not. Not if they, you get the good ones. <laughs> exactly. And for example, I, I decided I wanted to try to make a, a Viking comb. And after doing it by hand, I was like, oh, that was fun. Now I'm going to use power tools. Yeah. It was a now that I know how to do it, now I'm going to go the cheap and fast route. We can check this off. Have done. <laughs> well, I thought I would make a, a bunch of them out of different woods uh, for as gifts for people. And I'm like, I like you people very much. I don't like you enough to spend all these hours making a single one. Right. So so we're pulling out the Dremel. We're pulling out the power sander mm -hmm. and, and, and the saw. There we go. And uh, I've also, I really love, uh, even though I don't get a chance to do it hardly any, I love blacksmithing. Oh, um, yeah. I, that, but, that seems like it would be incredibly cool, but also like really hard to become a hobbyist blacksmith. <laughs> that is the one that there is no hobbyist. You either are a blacksmith or you're not, because to get into it, all the stuff is just prohibitively expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, the gentleman who I talked about earlier named Godwin, and I brought him up quite a few times on Geek at Arms because besides the uh, love of the SCA and love of history, he and I share a huge love of all things Kaiju and Godzilla. There you go. And uh, uh, Godwin, he was a blacksmith and he he had he didn't have a pumpkin patch in his backyard. He had an anvil patch. Nice. Of like somewhere between eight to 12 anvils. There might have been more, but they were hiding in the tall grass. And uh, for uh, for about a year and a half, I lived in San Antonio where he lived. And for much of that time, I kind of became I wasn't officially his apprentice, but there were a lot of times that he would call me up and say, hey, I'm working on this project. Would you come help? And I'd say, yes, I will. And either that was helping him hammer, uh, temper something or just even holding the steel so he could go at it with his 10 pound sledgehammer named Moses. Of course. And uh, I, I, I learned a lot during that time with him. I enjoyed moving the metal so much. And that is also the strongest I have ever been in my entire life. Oh, I bet. Like, if you want it, to all the people who want to be fit and, and gain muscle, forget going to the gym, find a blacksmith and say, can I help you hammer stuff that will put muscles on you like you would not believe. <laughs> CrossFit medieval edition. <laughs> he proved it to me one time because he said, uh, James, would you, uh, he had an anvil on the stump. Would you move that anvil? I want to use my, the one I got from Switzerland, uh, for this next project. I'm like, okay, sure. I'm a young fit guy in my early twenties. I'm thinking no problem at all. I get down there. I wrap my arms around it and I, I lift and I got it about two inches off the stump. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of your body said, uh, stop, or we're going to stop for you. Do you want this on top of you? No? Yeah. Then put it down. <clears throat> it will go down. The question will be whether or not your arms are still attached. West, whether or not it meets resistance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I put it down. I'm like, we're gonna, I, I looked at him and said, we're going to have to do this together. He then to bend down. He wraps it, his arms around it gently like he would be. He was picking up his cat. And then he just stands up with it. Yep. And he walks it around like he's holding his over here. Then you go say this. Oh, I think I'll put it over here. No, I think I'll just put it right back here. And he just gently, lovingly places the anvil back on the stump. There you go. So we we've been geeking hard 
as is expected when two geeks gather together. Uh, but I do want to talk about the reason that we're here, talking about what you mm-hmm. wrote for Thy Geekdom Come Volume 2. And you wrote, uh, it's it's fun, when, when Ashley did hers, I had one that I was just like, I need you to educate me. Because I had no connection to She-Ra other than the original cartoon, and that didn't serve for our purposes. This one, I'm kind of in the middle of, because I know Battlefront. Mm-hmm. You, you did think about Star Wars Battlefront. I, combination of the fact that I don't own a console anymore, and the fact that I was like, wow, Battlefront 2 has a lot of bad press for all this other stuff that's going on. <laughs> yeah. I didn't touch Battlefront 2. But you specifically didn't talk about what drew me to Battlefront back in the day, which is the multiplayer craziness. You were playing the story and connected it to the story. So tell me a little bit about what brought you to what connected the game experience and the story of the game to the passage of scripture that you you used. So. First, let me preface this is that even though a lot of people kind of equate me with being like the the medieval sword fighting guy in Geek at Arms, I cannot stress enough what a huge, unforgivable Star Wars nerd I am. <laughs> Absolutely, unequivocally, unequivocally, I from uh, Star Wars was just was vital to my youth. Uh, I'm going to date myself here, absolutely, and I don't care. The first movie I was ever taken to was 1983 Star Wars Return of the Jedi. There you go. First movie my dad ever took me to. And uh, the next day, he took me to Target, and he bought me one of the tube lightsabers that were around. And the, they were like it's just basically a handle, a plastic tube that came out of the top, and when you moved it around, it made the whoosh, Rouge sound mm-hmm. as air flowed through it. I they remember had, those. Had two colors, green and red. Of course, I had to have green because that was the color of Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. Right. And the funny thing is, I still have it. Um, it's That's in my impressive. garage. That's yes. impressive. Somehow it survived my childhood. I don't know how. It's a bit beat up, but it's still in one piece. And. Uh, of course, all of my children have lightsabers too, but sometimes when they're playing with them, daddy will pull out his old one and uh, we'll have some fun with that. But I mean, Star Wars is just, I, I can remember that the first time my parents bought a VCR in the mid 80s because they taped, I don't remember what network it was on, but Star Wars A New Hope was coming on and they taped it. Mm-hmm. I bout near wore that VHS out. Yep. I I watched it so many times as a kid. I didn't just have the all of the movie memorized. I had the commercials memorized. Okay, <laughs> I had the McDonald's BLT song stuck in my head from like the time I was six till ten. Yep, and uh, it's I I can't go on enough about Star Wars. I know way too much about it than is probably healthy for a person. But I mean, I I inhaled everything I could, even through the uh through as i call it the 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 desolate wasteland that was star wars from the late 80s throughout most of the 90s before uh before uh, timothy zahn's books came eventually um i mean the only new material that we ever got through that time was rpg material from uh weston games right and that time in my youth i really wasn't into rpgs but i mean i 
Uh, I collected st- some Star Wars toys. I read every, I mean, every single book that came out all the way through to the, the new Jedi order series. And they released everything they did with the Yuuzhan Vong. And then I got tired of that. Right. <laughs> but uh, Star Wars has just been huge and it still remains to this day. I, I've, I've loved, I've made it special occasions. The first time that I could show my daughter and then my boys, a new hope for the first time. And those were, were special moments to me. I wanted to be, I've been to be able to share the experience with them. Uh, my daughter, her favorite uh, star right now is the cartoon rebels. Mm-hmm. And uh, the boys, they love all of the, the star Wars Lego cartoons that are on Disney plus. And uh, I love watching them with them. I play at least a, you know, once every week or every couple of weeks, start the Star Wars Lego games on Xbox with my daughter. And, and I was thinking about it. I was, I was looking at the games I have on my Xbox. I've got, <coughs> excuse me, one, two, three, four, five, six. Without even meaning to do so, I've got seven different Star Wars games downloaded right now. Nice. They take up a huge amount on my hard drive, but I can't quite break myself to delete them yet. Um, so when Star Wars Battlefront came out, I, I played the first one because, I, okay, did you used to ever at one point have an old Xbox or a PlayStation? Yeah. Did you play the original Battlefronts? I, I did play the original Battlefront. Oh my gosh, those were so good. They were great. They were they were so much fun, and those were a pair of games that my wife and I loved to play together. On on the, they were like two of our first games we had when we had an original Xbox back in the day, and we we played through the campaign, we played through all of the mission, everything. My wife and I on both of them, and so I saw a new Battlefront coming out. I'm like, all right, let's go. I was sorely disappointed when I found out it was multiplayer only. Right. And I was like, okay, well, that stinks. And then uh, Battlefront 2 came out. And there, as you alluded to earlier, there was the whole loot box fiasco. And yeah. I do say fiasco. Oh, no, it was it was full on fiasco. <laughs> it, it There was absolutely no reason for it. Um, uh, we had on a gentleman from, who used to work at West End Games on Geek and Arms, uh, Eric Troutman. We had him on the show. He used to be a uh, content and head of the Star Wars area at Weston Games or the Star Wars games. He once said that, you know, someone told him that if you have the license to print Star Wars, you have a, if you have the, the Star Wars license, you have the license to print money. Yeah. So the people behind Battlefront, they EA, they should have. It should have been simple. It should have. But instead, they gave us pay to play. They gave us loot boxes and and. It, it it became what should have been a joyous, fun experience became a mess. It, it it's a, a tribute to the idea that uh, what what was one reviewer I I one one person who talks about the games like the behind the scenes stuff in the gaming industry, and he often says that uh, it's not that 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 video game companies want to make money. They're a company, of course, they want to make money. It's that they need to have all the money. Yeah. They want it, it was very much a business plan of we want to wring every last red cent out of you that we can. So, um, which is sad, but I had also heard that Battlefront 2 actually had a pretty solid, if brief, uh, storyline or a, a campaign. So I thought, I'm going to try this game out. 
I'm not paying full price for it, but I'm going to wait till it's on sale. And of course, like every, uh, like everything does at some point, it did go on sale. Right. And when it went down to like less than 15 bucks, I decided to, to get it. My expectations were low, but I was very pleasantly surprised. The storyline is that you were playing as an Imperial agent named Aiden Versio. And that is where the vast majority of the gameplay is the her perspective is played from. And you start off as a special forces agent of the empire uh, from right around the time of before return of the Jedi. And you, you are a dyed in the wool, hardcore Imperial. You find out your dad's an admiral. I mean, you believe in the empire and everything that it's doing. The, the rebels are scum. They're the problem with the universe. And you're just going to do your job to wipe them out and bring peace to the galaxy, true peace. And as the game progresses, your character finds through some pretty has some pretty hard truths thrown at them. Uh, and one of the most, one of the greatest moments of the game, but also uh, uh, visceral, is when she and her crew are called to deal with rebels uh, on the planet Indoor. And they're there. They're dealing with with uh, with rebel troops and Ewoks, and uh, they think like, okay, let's uh, let's let's meet back together. We've got these rebels on the run. We're gonna take care of this. We're gonna beat them. And then they look. They hear a noise. They look up in the sky, just in time to see the Death Star explode. And that is the first crossroads moment that the character comes to. Like, all right, what are you gonna do now? I mean, you you can see on their face that her world is shook. Rightly so. And the more I watched her progress and the changes that she went through, it became hauntingly familiar of another person that I've read about who was very staunch and hardcore in their beliefs. They knew what they were doing was right. And uh, once a certain group of people were stamped out, and imprisoned or converted or dealt with then things would be peaceful things would be right in the world and that of course is the story of saul mm -hmm. in the new testament <clears throat> and the parallels that i discovered between saul you know who would of course become paul and Iden versio were glaringly apparent and both of these people uh, were uh, was, had pretty much zealots for their beliefs. But then both of them had, well, a road to Damascus moment. Yeah. Uh, one, one very literal, the other one um, uh, metaphorical, in which they were presented with a choice of where to go in the future of their lives. And... Uh, and they both chose the side that um, they both they both chose a path that would change their lives and define them for the future. Uh, one would become, you know, Paul would become the great missionary and, uh, and 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 preach the gospel of Jesus throughout the entire land. Uh, the other, uh, Iden, would uh, end up uh, seeing the empire for what it was and would uh, go on to join the Rebel Alliance. And even though she had to work through uh, mistrust and fear of those around her, uh, would become an integral part of the rebels in, in fighting, defeating the empire.
I mean, it's it's one of those things that you almost wonder how much of this story might have been known. Because I mean, in some ways, you're dealing with you know, if you if you want to hold to Campbell, you're like stories are stories, and they will all tie into these same themes. But there is a lot of of overlap in that concept, and there's also the thing that I love about it is that people love to talk about Paul before the road to Damascus. And we love citing how, how important he was. I mean, how much of the new Testament is penned by him. So we like to talk about that part of Paul, but no one wants to talk about the fact <laughs> that there was this middle period. <laughs> and if you're reading mm-hmm. the book of acts, it, it, the book of acts doesn't delineate much of that middle period. Other than the fact that Saul was killing everybody. <laughs> Yeah, he Saul, was not. Saul disappears. It, yeah, <laughs> and then you have Saul. You know, then you have Paul, the the guy who's you know writing all these I letters. Mean, people tend to kind of either forget or gloss over that the first time we're introduced to uh, Saul in Acts seven is at the stoning of somebody, right? And 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 people he, are laying their coats before his feet. Like, like, he's he's collecting coats. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Here, hold this for me while I go chuck rocks at this guy to literally kill him. He's like, cool, I got you. I'll hold this. And um he was he was not a nice man. He was a well, I take that back. He could have been a perfectly pleasant man. He and unless you were professing a belief uh, in unless, Jesus unless Christ. You're playing for the wrong team. Yeah, I mean, he was he was highly educated. He was very smart, um, uh, and he had a lot going for him. And uh, but he also was very staunch in his beliefs, and uh, yes, a, a great person to have at parties, but probably utterly terrifying to the early Christian church. Well, if, I mean. If if you imagine that, think of how many people who would tell the stories of of what he did before the road the, before the road to Damascus, yeah. and then he just shows up and says, "Let's talk about Jesus." And you're like, "Uh, are you a cop? Because you have to tell me if you're a cop." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, up up to that point, the name Saul of Tarsus was like the boogeyman, right? I mean, he's you would scare they would Christians would would scare their kids. Go to bed, eat your veggies, or Saul of Tarsus is going to be under the bed and he's going to get you. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, like you said, he's like, hey guys, um, uh, I saw Jesus sp- spend a couple of days blind, uh, but I'm here now and I'm cool. And it 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 very much has a like, okay, are you a fan of 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 Avatar: The Last Airbender? Who isn't? Of of like. Uh, Hi guys, uh, Zuko here. Yeah, uh, I was bad now, but I'm good. But I'm good. So I'm, I came to join you. Well, and and, and uh, that's why I both I both love and hate the fact that, as far as the text of scripture, that's what we have of, of Paul's life. He he was killing Christians. He came to faith. He disappears. We know nothing about what happens in here. Mm-hmm. At least not in scripture. I don't know if there's any kind of historical record I don't know of, but as far as the scriptures are concerned, he disappears, comes back in his Paul. Yeah. And I can't fathom what that time must have been. I I mean, we can only guess. Yeah. A, a part of me has to think that there was a little time that Saul was probably having to deal with 
frankly, guilt. He knows what he'd been doing. He knows to 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 be so firm in your belief that uh, that the, these these people who believe in Jesus they're wrong. They are evil. They are um, uh, they're they're fanatics, right? And they must be dealt with before they poison the community and bring and and do so much harm. And then to actually meet God, yeah, and to find out that He is who these um, these 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 crazy people have said that He is, and your whole world is turned upside down. That not only is was Jesus the Son of God, but you have been actively persecuting those who believe in Him and call Him Lord. I can't imagine. I'm not even going to pretend to 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 say that I know what, what went through Saul's head. But there had to be some trauma that he had to deal with on a personal level and wrap his head around before he could proceed. Yeah, I, and the thing that I love to bring in uh, God, and, and oddly enough, in if, if you are going to make comparisons, I don't I definitely don't think the the story to Battlefront 2 is an allegory. But mm-hmm. um, from what you were talking about in the 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 devotional you wrote, it's, it's the idea that that this character has a moment with Leia, mm-hmm. and ha- and obviously Saul meets Christ, and in both cases it's not like uh, both cases they have the authority to just be like, "You're awful. We're we're stopping this now. I'm putting you yeah. un- I'm putting you to boot and moving on because because you need to be punished for what you've done." And in both cases they're like, "Yeah, that's not how we're going to proceed here." Yeah. The the biggest comparison I made is that Aiden and Saul before he became Paul, um, of course Paul with the uh, um, before Jesus and Aiden when she meets you know Princess Leia she seeks out Princess Leia and, and finds her. Both of these people had done horrible things. Yeah. They had they, they some would even argue evil things. Even if you're and, just a lackey for the empire, you're working for the yeah, empire. <laughs> it's the empire, you know. Yeah, uh, they're not getting great reviews on Yelp, right? I mean, you, as, so, they deserved a lot of things. They deserved to be punished, um, uh, maybe even deserved death. But what both of them were shown, and it's the basis of my entire devotional, is that they were shown grace, and. Uh, the the key scripture that I discuss um, at the end is that is Second Timothy one nine. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And Iden, you know, Saul, Zuko, who doesn't love? A redemption story oh yeah and i think one reason that they resonate so powerfully with this is that we see these characters both in fiction and the real ones in the bible and we can't help but relate with them on some level because like them we have sinned the level of sin doesn't matter we all have sinned we have fallen short of the glory of god and the wages of sin is death. And there is much for uh, we, 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 we have done wrong. Mm-hmm. There's much of, of what, um, I mean, th- thank God for Christ. Thank God for the cross. 
Um, I had a, I had an, a, a, uh, a teacher at, uh, at, at Bible college who very, um, succinctly and, uh, simply put, uh, explained to us of grace and mercy, the concepts of grace and mercy in a nutshell. He said, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And for being put so, like I said, so simply, it those those that resonated with me. That those, those words resonated with me. You know, great, getting what you don't deserve, not getting what you do deserve. Um, and I think that we, uh, I mean, in we. Like I said, we relate with characters like Aiden. We relate a bit like Saul because we all mess up. We all make mistakes. And what we all, all come to the cross for is forgiveness. Yeah. We all come asking for mercy, asking forgiveness. And what Christ does is that he gives us so much more. He doesn't just give us mercy. He gives us grace. He extends that grace to us so much and so often. And I mean, yeah, I could I could go on um, about about grace and about mercy and how important they are and how how much sometimes I, I believe they're not preached enough. Well, yeah, at least at least not to the degree that God Himself offers it. Oh, Amen. Um, and I I love in both these pictures just it's just the idea of of uh, I'm not just going to be okay with you. Like, I think sometimes we, we leave it at that. We're like, like, oh, grace and, and mercy is that, you know, God has made us okay. And I'm like, yeah. that's, that's not actually what's happening here. Like, this is, this is a change of relationship from enemy to, to son and daughter. Like, we are as polar opposite as possible here. Like, this is, this is an entire world shift. This is an entire dimensional shift. <laughs> and that is that there's something truly beautiful about that realization that no, you know, I, I've often noted lately just that people will say things, but they don't really want to, I don't even, I don't even want to say want to, cause that implies intention. They want to say a thing, but they don't apply that language to its fullness to his fullest. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we love talking about, you know, how our sins are forgiven and, and all this. We love talking about that, but I, I don't think we actually sit there and, and really contemplate just how unreal that is. That it's not just you were okay. And now you're great. It was, there was, was a harsh break in this relationship and you're not only okay now <laughs> yeah you're far beyond okay i love that uh, it shows that god just doesn't want to forgive us he it, 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 it could be that it's it's enough that he would say you are forgiven i have shown you mercy congratulations well done yeah he goes beyond that so much more beyond that to he wants, he wants us to prosper. 
he wants us to 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 do well and that's that's a concept i i talk a little bit about in the devotional is that grace has been shown to us and it's very important that we understand that grace is shown to us on a daily basis but sometimes people don't understand that don't accept that grace they don't realize what has been shown to them and it, that's an important concept to when grace has been shown grace is received it is accepted and then grace is passed on and i how do i want to say this because as i i uh, it's funny because I'm, I'm setting it up uh i said this with ashley too every once in a while i'll say something and i'm like oh is this the thing that's going to get me emails um because <laughs> i do i have a habit of just saying these things and sometimes i get called out on it and sometimes i don't um i think it's really hard at least speaking from a person who travels for good or for ill in very American evangelical circles just because of geography and where my background is. I think we really focus too much on the, the salvation aspect of the concept of the gospel mm -hmm. that we don't have a holistic understanding of what the word gospel means because we've limited it just to the getting them to Jesus moment. Yeah. There's, there's a huge focus on that of let's get them to the altar. Let's get them to say the prayer great okay but now what that is part of the gospel of jesus christ yes one can make arguments yeah one can make arguments as to the importance of it if, if you were to break it down which i don't think you should break it down i think it's an, an entirety but anyway uh but it is just part of the good news that 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 this has long-reaching implications just beyond mm -hmm. your eternal place this relationship with God does not, you know, start at this moment and then you're just getting better at following rules after that. That's not that's yeah. not how this works. No. Uh, Jesus told Peter, you know, Peter, do you love me? I said, do, Lord, feed my sheep. Yeah. Now, they think like, oh, you know, we need to you need to feed the people who are lost. No, he didn't say the people who are lost. He said, feed my sheep. Right. Feed the flock. And that's not something that you do just one time and say, all right, you've had your meal. You're good to go. You continue that process. You feed, you nurture, you take care of, you help them to grow. And I think that that is a definition that is often overlooked and of how of the interpretation of that scripture. We feed, feed the sheep, and also we need to feed each other. Right. Continuously, continuously growing. And we, we should want for each other to prosper as well. You know, God calls us to be communal. He calls it to, to be the body of the church, to be a family in Christ, to be in a relationship with one another. And that's what a relationship is, which means I want the best for you. I want to see you grow in spirit, in Christ, mm -hmm. in your life, in your family, in your job, your career, in your personal growth. I want, the, I want to see you succeed. I want to see you advance, to grow, become more wise, become more fulfilled, become more happy in everything that you do and we need we need more of it everyone needs that everyone needs more of that yeah it's been i feel like this past year and a half has kind of hamstrung us in that regard i mean thank god for video meetings yeah i even as a person who who, who always prefers the in-person i have had such a huge uh just 
blessing with the the concept that we can still do this. Like it is mm-hmm. a stopgap. It isn't the ideal, but it is there, and we need to appreciate how awesome that was. Amen. All right. Well, I think we could talk about this all day, but I do want to wrap things up. We're getting to about that time. So, James, thank you so much for being a part of this. Sir, thank you very much for having me on. This has been a blast. Yeah. And uh, just, again, in the off chance that people don't know, give them the the ways they can find you and and your cohort, as it were. (laughs) You can find myself, uh, Mike, and Brian. Uh, Just go to our website, geekatarms.com, and that will help lead you to our Facebook page. That will help you find our Twitter feed, which is at armsgeek. Uh, you'll find information about all of us. You'll find all the episodes on there. Uh, you can download us on iTunes and other platforms as well. And uh, and there you go. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> all right. Uh, again, folks, go check out uh, Thy Geekdom Come Volume 2. Uh, I never checked to see, I, I never stopped to check and see wh- what you get in the free trial, but there is a five-day free trial that you can go. I don't know if James's thing is in that. But man, there's there's so many good things in there. You can get there through looking up Mythos and Ink, but you can also get there by going to geekdevo.com slash Barden Bible. And uh, we've got one more of these interviews that's coming up. We're going to have Shanine on here to talk about what she wrote. Uh, but you're going you're gonna to keep hearing the, my silliness in the tavern for a while as Benny Longfellow is practicing for his uh, bardic training to become an official bard and, and, and recognized keeper. And and I mu- I must say um, that sometimes I still uh, deal with a bit of you know, even though Geek at Arms has been around for about four years now, and I, I feel I feel I still very much feel like the new kid on the block. <laughs> and uh, when you asked me to be a or when, not when you asked me but when you cast me as a character on one of the Bard and Bible episodes, yeah, buddy. I, I finally felt like I had arrived. You you nailed it too. I listened to yours. I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is this is it. I, I yep. Thank you. I don't I don't need to hear another one. This is it. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, it's like I'm like finally part of the community now. I've been on the Barden Bible. <laughs> You've done it. You've done it. You hit it. Well, ne- next time the Wandering Bards Guild comes around, I got I got to get a Geek at Arms representative to to join the Wandering Bards Guild. Oh, dude, I'm in. Absolutely. All right. Again, thank you so much. Check out Geek at Arms. Check out all that they're doing. Look up the SEA. You have no idea what kingdom you might be a part of. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, again, thanks, everybody. Check out the, the link, and we will see you next time here at the Barden Bible.